It's hard to believe I'm going to be 22 this Saturday. Birthday's coming. What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? We're going to continue our series in Hebrews tonight. So open up your Bibles to Hebrews or look on the screens. We've got some verses for you. How many of you guys have ever been on like a long trip that's like exhausted you? Like, like a trip, <laughs> hands are already going, yeah, like a long trip, and you just felt worn out, exhausted, couldn't wait to get home and just rest and like get in your own bed with your own comfy pillow and your own squishy like weighted blanket. How many have a weighted blanket? Yeah, some of you guys do. I don't, but that's awesome. Um, I heard they're really comfy, you know, your own shower, just the way you like it. And I was on a trip once, a pastor here, uh, our missions pastor a few years ago, his name was Fayez. Some of you guys remember Fayez. Him and I went on a trip together, a mission trip to China. And China is like the other side of the world, right? Like it's a long trip. The sun comes up at exactly the opposite time. Like it's going, but when we are coming up there, it's like everything is completely upside down over there. And so when we got there, it was this crazy long flight. It was basically all day of just traveling to get to China. And we get there and we get into our hotel and everything is so like just different, you know? And so we're trying to adjust and we're exhausted and haven't really slept on the plane. And there's also jet lag. And so we're like, ah, like, what, how do you handle this? And so we get in our hotel and I had to, I was finishing like checking in at the desk. He had gone up to the room. And uh, as I walk in the room, I am so ready to just drop in my bed and just like sleep, right? And have a really comfortable nap. And so as I open the door, I open the door up to crazy man, Pastor Fayez. He's this like really hairy guy with this huge beard, and he's an Arab guy. He's just like, he's so funny and crazy. He's standing on his bed as I open the door, and he's like about to just do one of these like suplexes, just like, and just like fall in the bed. And so I'm opening the door, and here's Fayez, right, who's just standing there, and he just does like a swan dive, like, up like this and comes down on his bed. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so jealous. I wish I was just like, going to be in my bed right now. And instead of him like landing in this puffy cloud, it sounds more like that. It was like, it sounded like you took a hammer and hit like a, a board with it. It was so hard. When he hit that thing, he didn't even bounce. He just went splat. Like he like hits his bed. And so I'm, I'm like, oh no, is this how it's really going to be? And so I go, I touch my bed and sure enough, the mattress was like this thin. It was like just sleeping on wood. It was terrible. So we didn't sleep this whole trip. Okay. And so I get back finally to the States and I, I was, I was kind of dating this really pretty girl at the time. I was like, she's so pretty. I like her. I can't wait. I had a date set up with her when I get home. And so I was going to go out with this girl and this other pastor at our church and his wife, we we're going to like double date, you know? So it wouldn't be too awkward at first. And we're just going to hang out. And so we, uh, we go to hang out, but I get home. I got a full day to rest and recover. The next day is going to be the date. I'm good. So I get home, I unpack, sit at my desk. I'm going through my mail that I've got to catch up on. And all of a sudden, the next thing I realize, I'm hearing my phone like vibrating and ringing. And I'm realizing like my eyes are closed. What's going on? And I open my eyes up and my head's actually on my desk and I'm sleeping. I'm like, when did I fall asleep on my desk? And my phone's just kind of waking me up going off over here. So I'm like, oh no, Ooh, like I need to go to bed and not sleep on my desk look at my phone and there's all these missed like messages. And I'm like, that's really weird. And then I notice I had just slept for 24 hours on my desk. I fell asleep. 
And then the messages, as I read through them, guess who they're from? This girl that I wanted to go out with so bad. And I completely missed the date. I just slept through it. So immediately, I'm like calling this girl up. I'm like, listen, I'm so sorry. You know her response? I don't think we should see each other anymore. (laughs) She broke up with me over that. She dumped me. Girls never do that to a guy. She dropped me cold right there. It was done. We never dated again after that. Like, no joke. She said, this is what she said. She's like, I should have been important enough to you to wake up. I was like, what? (laughs) What I didn't even know I fell asleep. I had no idea. I thought it was like 10 minutes. And I wake up to like this thing. And then she breaks up with me. It was terrible. Rest is really important, okay? It can mess up a whole lot of stuff if you don't have the proper rest. And the passage that we're going to look at tonight is no different. We need rest, and we don't just need rest in our bodies. You can tell that that's really important because you fall asleep, right? And you get really cranky, and you need like a Snickers bar, or you're just going to be miserable, right? It's one of those things where it's not just physically that you need rest. Spiritually, we need rest. And so a lot of times it's easier to take care of the physical part because we can feel that. But then we neglect the spiritual rest that we need. Because it can be a lot easier to just not look at it, not see it, and go on with your day with other things that seem more important, which aren't. And so tonight, the encouragement is that you would find rest, that you'd be in a place where you're looking for rest spiritually. You're not just taking care of your body or even just your mind so you can study. So many of you guys are like, I'm going to go to bed at like 7 o'clock because I get a test tomorrow. Like, you're really good about that. I get it. But how are you when it comes to your spirit? How are you when it comes to your relationship with Jesus? Are you finding rest spiritually? So read with me. It's just one verse tonight, so this should be pretty quick. But it's Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And I can already hear some like guys in the back like, we're going to be in Hebrews forever if you keep going one verse at a time. But this one's really important, so we need to focus on it, all right? Hebrews 4, 1, it says this. Therefore... Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. So there's a warning here, and it's, it's a big warning. It's a serious warning. When you fall short of rest in Jesus, the rest that only Jesus can give, it's bigger consequences than just waking up grumpy the next morning. Your eternity literally hangs in the balance of being able to experience this type of rest. Your eternal life hangs in the balance. And so when he gives this verse, this is why we would look at just one verse tonight. It's that important. It's that big of a warning for us to make sure we have found the rest that Jesus offers us. That we haven't missed it. Now, see, the Jews at the time that he's talking to, They were literally, or or that he was talking about as we've been going through Hebrews, he keeps talking about these Jews and not being able to enter into the promised land. And so he's looking back to the Old Testament, and the deal was like, they could never really rest in their home. They were stuck in tents, wandering around a desert, right? Trying to find food, eat food, eat this manna that God's dropping down, picking up their tent, moving it around. There was no like permanent rest for them, and they were waiting to get in the promised land so they could build their houses and live in like a home. And so the analogy here, this picture that, that's being painted is that 
There's a rest waiting for us, a place where we can really set up our home. And this world isn't it. And if we're trying to like look around you in this world right now, this physical world you live in, that's broken and messed up by sin, and if you're trying to make a life, like find your permanent identity in life here, you're missing the point. This is the desert. This is where you should have your tent and be ready at any moment to pick that tent up and to move on because the real promised land is heaven, and that's what's promised to us. Too many of us are looking at this life right here trying to make our home right here in the desert, on sands. You're just going to crash. Your house is going to tumble. Trying to be awesome at that sport so you get the recognition from the sport and maybe get into college or even play pro, and it's such a big deal to you, your life. That's all that really matters because that's how, where you're building your foundation in the desert because that's not going to last forever. It's not going to take care of your eternal life. Or maybe even just like that picture-perfect life where you want a spouse and like a certain number of kids and that white picket fence and that like perfect house and the perfect place and just make your home. And it's all about this world. But listen, this world right here, it's not going to last. You can have the most picture-perfect life you want. It doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't guarantee you eternal life. You name it. Get that 4.10, 4.10. You can tell I didn't get a 4.10. 5.0, that's what that would be. It's not going to work. It's not good enough. It's not going to get you into heaven. You list the thing, right? Take out your list, look at it, and say, well, all these things that are so important to me, am I building my life on any of these? Am I standing over here in the world trying to build a house on any of these things that are so important to me? It's not bad that they're important to you. The list is fine. You don't have to throw that away necessarily. But if you're trying to build your life on it, you've got a problem. Because your home's over there. Heaven is what you're waiting for. Eternity is what you're waiting for. And none of that stuff is getting you there to your permanent home. And that's what the author of Hebrews wants us to see tonight. He's been warning us over and over, like, listen, don't miss the warning. Don't float by salvation. Don't ignore what Jesus has done for you. He's this perfect savior, right? He's just been going on and on about Jesus is better than everything. So stop building your life in a temporary home. This is made for tents. So use your tents how you need to to get through this life. But build your home in heaven. Look forward to eternity. Let your heart beat fast for what's there, not here. And this warning comes at a cost, right? Like we need to know that this rest can only come from one place. Just Jesus. There's no other other place you're going to find it. So I wanted to look at the word rest real quick and just like it can be defined different ways, right? So given this verse, like how can we look at this word rest? The first one is this. Rest can mean to cease, like to stop from any action. You just kind of stop. It's when you fall in that recliner chair in front of TV and you just stop working. You just like sink down at the end of the day and watch your show, right? You just stick Gossip Girl up there or whatever it is you watch. You're like, ah, yeah, you know, and you just like get your popcorn and you're just chilling in your chair and you've ceased from work. That's the idea of rest in some senses, where we don't work. And that's awesome here because that's also what this means is that the work that we try to do in this life to build that life or even to please God is no good. 
your best actions, your best behavior, feeding the poor, taking care of orphans, going on mission trips, singing worship, whatever you want to dream up to try to look up in God and go, here you go, this is why I deserve rest. He's going to go, that's not good enough. He doesn't hate that you do good things. He loves it, but that's, those good things are never going to save you. He doesn't require those good things for you to be saved. There's something more permanent that he, he wants. He wants you to stop trying to work and trust Jesus. And when you can actually leave those works aside and stop worrying about those works, you can just be like, God, I trust Jesus and only Jesus and not my works, not my baptism, not how many Bible verses I've memorized, none of that stuff. It's all about Jesus. That's when you find rest. That's when you find rest because he's good enough to do that. He's strong enough to do that for you. The second way we can look at rest, this other definition, is to be free from worry. Someone who's free from worry has found rest. And so we've been talking a whole lot throughout this book so far about how Jesus has freed us from two big things. The penalty of sin and the penalty of death. You don't have to worry about death if you believe in Jesus Christ anymore. Why? Because you have eternal life that he's giving you. At the end of this life, there's just an eternity left in paradise with him. Death doesn't have to bring us fear anymore. We don't have to live like, I better get it done now because I only got a few more years and my life's over. No, 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 that ain't it. It's not just this one chance. You have eternity in the presence of the maker of everything. So you have rest, but you don't have to worry about that. And you don't have to worry about the penalty of sin anymore. Why? Because Jesus already paid for it. God's not coming after you with this big hammer to smack you down every time you sin. That's not the deal. Jesus already went to the cross. The nails were put through his hands, and he died. He was buried, and he also rose again. Why? So you don't have to worry about the penalty of sin anymore. Your worry can be gone, and guess what that means for you? You can rest. You just rest, free from the worry of those things. Another way we can look at Rest, another definition, is to be settled. And it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. This idea of the, being able to just kind of plant down in one place and not have to move anywhere. I'm, I'm resting in this one spot where the Jews would go into the promised land and settle. Rest there. And for us today, that promise is still just as true. We don't have to run around from Religion to religion or philosophy to philosophy or idea to idea. Trying to figure out answers about, man, what's this all about? Because God has clearly told you. God's laid it out in his word. We're reading about it right now. The answers are here that you can rest in them. And again, his name is Jesus. Your heart can settle on the fact that Jesus did it. He is your answer and your heart can just be still. Because you found the answer. You can settle in Jesus. That's why John tells us to abide in him. Abide means just basically like live in Jesus. Make your home, make your bed right there inside of Jesus and who he is. And just be like, I'm staying here. I'm settled right here with you, Jesus. Another way we can look at rest is this. It says to be secure. The security that comes through knowing God's love. Over and over throughout the Bible, God's saying this. I'm being patient with you. 
God says, I have this steadfast love, this enduring love that when you mess up, guess what? I'm patient. When you sin, when you turn around, when you walk away from me, I'm patient and I still love you and I still chase you and I still care about you. There's a security that comes where when you follow Jesus, there's no getting away. His arms are fully wrapped around you. His wings are covering you. The psalmist and the David says, like, you are covered by his wings. There's a security that comes in trusting in Jesus. You don't have to worry about what's next, what's happening. You just sit in Jesus and go, you've got this. You've got tomorrow. You've got that crazy thing coming down the road that I see and I'm scared to death about. And Jesus, I know you've got me. All things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I can have security in Jesus. Another one for rest is this, to have something to lean on. Something to lean on, like I can rest on something, right? Put my weight on it, trust it enough to lean. You guys are trusting your chair in this way right now, that it's not going to just collapse underneath you. You're trusting it, resting with trust in your heart. You can actually sit there on that chair. This would look like for us today, something like questions like, why am I here? What brought us into existence, you know? What's the point for me to even live? Like, what are these, what are these reasons for my life? What's my purpose? What am I leaning on and trusting on for my very existence? And if you don't have Jesus as the answer, they lead to very dark places. We try to find a reason for me to even live, right? And all sorts of things that will let you down. And the second they let you down, you know what happens to your heart? It crumbles. And you drop into despair and discouragement and depression. Because we've placed that foundation, right? Our rest in things that can never hold us up. But when you place your trust in Jesus, you find rest because he's never going to let you down. You can lean on him and you know your purpose is Jesus. He's made you exactly how he wants you to be. He's planned out your life. He has an eternal future for you. There's all sorts of reasons to say, this is why I'm alive today. This is my identity and my purpose, and I'm leaning on Jesus for it, trusting and resting in Jesus for that. Do you know why you're here tonight? Do you know why you're breathing right now? Do you know what the point is for your life? There are answers to those questions that are so close to you, you might not even realize. And his name is Jesus. He's got all those answers for you. As a matter of fact, he is the answer. We can rest and lean on Jesus. The last one is this. Rest can be defined just as like this physical kingdom of Christ. In the Bible, we see this. The physical kingdom of Christ comes to earth where Jesus one day will be here ruling on this planet. His kingdom will have come and we will be a part of that. And it extends into this place we call heaven, right? This eternity where Jesus Christ is not just some fairy tale we talk about, but a living creator king who comes here. We have no idea. It could be tonight. That Jesus comes back. But when he does, you will see him. The entire world will see his return. And he will rule. 
We find rest in that. And knowing that Jesus has authority over everything. And he's your king and he loves you. I don't know if you want that rest or not, but the author says you can have it. You can have that very rest. So let's look at the verse. It says this, therefore, let's just stop there. Let's just look at that one word, right? There's a lot even packed into that one word. Why is he saying therefore all of a sudden? Well, he's talking about what he just said in a couple chapters ahead. It refers back to what he was telling the Israelites. You guys are unbelieving. You guys are like totally missing the point. You guys are looking to some other thing instead of to Jesus. You're putting angels higher than Jesus, Moses higher than Jesus. Your eyes are fixed on so many other things, and you're missing the point. Then Jesus, just straight up Jesus. And so he says, therefore, this is what you need to do, right? Since the promise, he says, of entering his rest still stands. So get this. They've messed up, right? He just said that. But here's good news. Jesus promised to love you and save you and be patient and forgive you. It still stands. He hasn't gone back on his promise for you. You might be here tonight and you're like, man, I've messed up so much. I've messed up so much. How could Jesus forgive me? How could Jesus love me the way I am right now? Should I go home and like try to fix all this and then talk to Jesus? Like, am I, do I need to like get all right first and then go, Jesus, I need you? No, you don't. His promise still stands. Whatever you brought to this place tonight, however you look, however you feel, whatever you've done as you sit here tonight, right now, this promise still stands right now in this moment for you. Jesus loves you. His death on the cross, his rising from the dead? That was for you. And his promise to save you if you call out his name and trust and believe still stands. And he will take that mess that you brought tonight. He will get to work at it. That's his job. That's what he wants to do in you. Your job tonight is to simply look back And say, Jesus, because your promise still stands for me just like I am tonight. I want it. I want to receive it. Let me have that promise. Let me have that salvation that you're talking about. Then he says this, let us be careful. Because that promise still stands, let us be careful. And that actually can translate as fear. And you're like, wait, Rob, hold on. You just got finished telling us we can rest and not have fear. And now he's saying, hey, fear? Like, what's the deal? Which one is it? This seems really, really contradictory. There's a sad truth to all this. It's real good news for those of you who say, yes, I want to follow Jesus and trust him and receive this promise. That's great news. Safety and security and forgiveness for you. But what about those of us who don't? What about those of us who miss it? Who act more like these Israelites. And we never look back at Jesus and say, I want the promise. He says, all you have left is fear. If you trust Jesus, he takes it all away. There's nothing left to fear. But if you don't trust Jesus, you have nothing but fear. Because it's all coming for you. There's no one to step in your way 
when the wrath of God comes at you to say, hey, you're full of sin, and I deal with sin with justice. There's no Jesus to stand in the way and say, but I paid that already. It's just you. You've got to stand before that God and try to explain why he should forgive you, and none of your answers will ever be good enough. When you're standing in front of an infinite God like that, how can you have anything but fear of what's about to happen to you? So when he says, let us be careful, he's essentially saying, you've got no other option but to be afraid if you don't trust Jesus. John 14, 27 it says this, peace I leave with you, peace. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. <laughs> don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's what Jesus does if you follow him. It's peace. You look up and go, He's, Jesus has this. I've been forgiven. I know where I'm going when I die. I know the promise. But if you don't, there's just fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. That's what Jesus does for us. But listen to this. If we don't trust in Jesus, here's what happens. In Hebrews 12.29, a few chapters ahead, it says, For our God is a consuming fire. Like, you don't want to be stuck in front of him and not have an answer why you should be forgiven. Then he says, so be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Now, here's the deal. The Apostle Paul tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like, we are all born that way. We're living that way. Without Jesus, we are falling short of this rest and this forgiveness. That's just how you are unless there's something that changes in your life. And that change is that you meet Jesus face to face, heart to heart, and you receive his forgiveness. You're like, man, I've gone to church. You know, I've read my Bible a couple times. Like, maybe I even go to a Christian school. Like, i got a Christian family. I'm cool. That's not meeting Jesus face to face. Meeting Jesus face to face is taking your heart and saying, this is yours. I love you. I trust you. I want to follow you. If you want me to give stuff up and sacrifice things in my life, I'm good with it. Because I want you more. That's what that means. When we put faith in Jesus, that's when we find the real rest. Matthew 7, 26 and 27 says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Where are you building your life? Are you still over here in the world like it's some sandy pit going, this is comfortable, this is nice, this beach looks beautiful, let me build this house here and trust that when the waters come up, it's still going to be here and not just crash into the ocean. Still going to just trust 
that, hey, if I have enough friends or I have enough money or have a good enough family, that'll be good. Matthew right there says, no. There's one home where you need to build your house. And it's on Jesus. Not only do you need to exercise your faith in that and say, Jesus, this is where I'm building my house. But we need to acknowledge our sin. Like, we're sinners. A lot of us don't even want to say that. We're like, no, I'm good. I'm a pretty good person. Why are these churches telling me that I'm a bad person? I'm broken. I'm this. I'm that. But the truth is we are. And it doesn't take long to acknowledge it in yourself. I bet you can't go one day without doing something that dishonors God or hurts someone else or yourself. That's called sin. And because we have that sin, we need to acknowledge it. 1 Timothy 1.15. It says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. This is the Apostle Paul who planted so many churches, led people to Jesus. It's like, I'm the worst sinner of all of them. He wasn't afraid to admit that he was broken without Jesus. He needed Jesus Christ take his mess and his sin and forgive it. We need to be able to admit that tonight. Some of us need to push that pride aside that's saying, no, I don't even want to think about it right now. I'm good. And acknowledge this warning and say, you know what? Maybe I do need to confront this in my life tonight. As scary as it might be, maybe I do need to recognize I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Romans 5, 6, and 8 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How we were still spitting in his face. He's looking at you with eyes of love saying, I'm doing this because I love you. Not because you made yourself better. It's because you turned to me and said, I trust you. And I want the forgiveness that you offer. The last verse I want to share with you is this, Matthew 9, 12 and 13. It says this, on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And listen to me. It's a good thing that Jesus came for sinners and not righteous people. Because I'd be one that would not be going to heaven. I would be a person that would not be found worthy of Jesus. And the honest truth is, there ain't a person in this room that would be found worthy. The good news is he came for us. Every sinner sitting in firehouse tonight, Jesus loves you. He came for you just how you are. The question tonight is, will you give him your heart? Will you trust him to save you? you bow, your eyes, bow your heads and close your eyes for a second as the band comes up to lead us in worship. Let me just ask you this tonight. As we sing this next song, will you just ask Jesus that question?
Would you just say, Jesus, what am I trusting tonight? Where am I building my house? Is it on the sand or is it in something permanent? Am I resting in you? With your eyes, with your, with your eyes closed, let me just ask you this. Do you want rest? <laughs> Do you want to be able to let go of the worry? Do you want to be able to let go of the anxiety and the stress and all the things in life, the brokenness? Do you want someone to be able to actually lean on and trust? Because he's here tonight. He's right here tonight. And he's offering it to you. Maybe in, during this next song, you just look to him and say, is that me?